1: See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler.
2: folks welcome to another episode of film study this is ken McCusick. we're here today to have a really great camp questions today in an area where there are a lot of questions for this 2022 ravens team the special teams unit joining me today to talk about that is michael crawford michael how you doing my friend
3: ken i'm doing well can't complain at all uh, always good to be on with you and talk football and, and this topic in particular i think you know special teams near and dear to my heart uh so i'm, I'm looking forward to it and, and excited to dig in
2: very cool topic because there's a lot of people I can ask to talk about wide receivers. There's very few people I trust to talk about special teams and have the kind of level of knowledge you do, Michael, that you know, I've really studied it. We talked briefly about doing a show on this at one time, which I think would have been really cool. But, you know, hey, maybe there's another opportunity for that to, at, at some point in the future. But uh, your knowledge has always really impressed me in terms of, of understanding not only, uh, you know, the kicker, punter, and long snapper, kind of the, the – Stars of special teams, but also the uh, other roles uh, that exist there and, uh, and, and what's uh, going on. So, we're going to talk a little bit about all that. And let's jump right into it with uh, some talk about the Wolfpack itself, I guess the new Wolfpack uh, with Jordan Stout this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, what a run. You know, what an amazing run that group had. Uh, even before Nick Moore, um, you know, took over at, at Long Snapper, um, just an amazing battery if you want to use, I guess, a baseball term in a way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so consistent, um, you know, like, like Sam Cooke would always say, hey, congratulations for doing your job, right? They never, they never made too much of it, but they were the best, in my mm-hmm. opinion, or, or certainly among the best if people want to, you know, have an argument or, or, or debate it. And it was just something you didn't worry about. You just did not worry about uh, the punt um, execution. You didn't worry about the field goal execution. Um, you know, it, it's it seems like something that you maybe kind of take for granted and don't don't think about it. But when you look around the league sometimes and see games that are lost in that that area of the game, you know, it, it's certainly not something that should be taken for granted. So you really have to appreciate um, just those guys and their level of professionalism and level of consistency. I mean, I could probably use that word a million times talking about those guys. They were just so consistent and so reliable um, in terms of what they
2: did. Yeah, when you talk about taking it for granted, there's basically been no kick taken by a Raven by anybody but Tucker. And I don't know if that's exactly true. Cook might have done an extra point or something at some point over the years uh, since Billy Cundiff's huge miss in the 2011 AFC Championship game. So they haven't taken it for granted. They've solidified it. They do pay a lot of money um, there, but I think yeah. if you had to say, you know, I I, I hear – Comments made occasionally about, about, about some player being a 10-year solution. I talked to the Browns guy about uh, Watson, and he said, no, they're looking at Watson as a 10-year solution. I said, well, you just signed him for five years, 230 guaranteed. How, do you, how are you making 10 years out of that? Because whatever you pay the back half, it's going to be you know, it, market value. You have to pay yeah. for that player. The nice thing about kicker and punter is that the market value is low enough that if you really get your guy, you can usually keep your guy. And the difference in salary between what teams would offer is probably not enough to get you to move out of your school district and your, your yeah. comfortable living <laughs> situation. So it's, 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 it's nice. Whereas quarterback, if it's an extra $25, $30 million over the course of the contract, that could well do it. <laughs> so Yeah, that's going to
3: change things for sure. <laughs>
2: All right. So anyway, Stout uh, is obviously the linchpin here. We expect more to be able to do exactly what he did for Tucker to uh, be the kicker he's been all along, and a lot of that is dependent on, on what Jordan Stout can do to replace a Hall of Fame holder.
3: Yeah, we've we've already seen uh, some of those behind the scenes clips from uh, mini camp and OTAs with Sam Cook. Well, I guess minicamp, camp really. I don't think Cook had started in OTAs yet, but in mini camp with um, Cook you know, working with Jordan's now on holding, Uh, there was a specific clip in there about, Hey, here's what I do. Right. I catch it and I bring it down. I catch it and I bring it down. He's like, you're kind of catching it, placing it over here and then bringing it, you know, into where you into the spot where you want it. And he's like, that's just, you know, extra time. He's like, it's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but it's wasted time. And, you know, time obviously is one of the most important things. Um, in, in, in that phase of the game. And so you can see the knowledge. You can see the experience. Uh, obviously, Jordan Styles got a great leg as a punter. Uh, I believe he did some holding uh, at Penn State as well. But to get mentoring, you know that one-on-one, it's just you and Sam and and Randy Brown, you know, <laughs> in there to get that kind of one-on-one mentoring coming in as a rookie from you know one of the best punters of all time. That's Bill Belichick saying that, not mm-hmm. not just me, you know, being like a Ravens homer. Um, that's that's going to be invaluable for a guy like Jordan Staub.
2: It good, good that the Ravens realize the importance of that. And I talk about positional coaching a lot, about other players needing to get that out of the positions. There might not be a more important Raven to get it this offseason than Jordan Stout as a holder. Uh it's just it's so much of the Ravens' effectiveness of an advantage they have in the in the kicking game would be uh neutralized if Stout were to have a succession of failures at the position. In fact, I think they'd probably have to look pretty quickly. Uh, at what their other options were, whether that would be having Tyler Huntley hold or having somebody else do the holding, um, if if it didn't work out with Stout. I just uh, I don't think they'd have they have a a real long fuse on on letting him fail.
3: No, and just going back to where we started, that's something that we had haven't had to think about for so many years. You know, how long was Cook here? 15, 16 years? Um you have to even think about that. And so, you know, now I'm sure the Ravens are planning for that, um, for that contingency. They, they obviously understand that they have a guy who's going to be holding for the first time at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. And so they, they've got to have that in mind and, and, and have a plan for, okay, well, if if for whatever reason, um, you know, we need somebody else to do it, you know, who else can do it. So the backup quarterback, like you mentioned, Tyler Huntley is, is typically the guy on, on a lot of teams. So, um, you know, we may see him there and I'd have to, I'd have to really think about it. You're right. That, that kind of uh, catches me off guard. I don't know who else would do it. Right. I mean, it could be, I guess it could
2: be some linebacker or something who has some experience with it in, in high school or college, but I, I really don't know who that would be. And and uh, uh, do we have any, any former quarterbacks playing other positions now? Like, uh, like a Willie Sneed or somebody would have been a guy in a, on
3: past teams. I'm just trying to think. I, or, or Mark Clayton. Yeah. Um, I'm going through my mind too. Yeah. Um, nothing's coming to mind, but there probably is a guy. I mean, yeah. so many of these guys did play quarterback yeah. at some point in their life. You know, particularly skill position guys. So there probably is somebody who's done it.
2: And there, there might be a guy out there on the street they could bring in if things were really going downhill. But that's a significant investment of a roster spot if yeah. they have to if they have to do that and get nothing out of the guy otherwise.
3: You know, has has um, I don't know how this would work. In terms of their quarterback numbers, has Huntley, held Brett Huntley, is he held in the league? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs>
2: anyway, don't want to take us down that road. Sure, sure, okay. Well, anyway, I, uh, what what would be your 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 hope on uh, on Stout? We we did some individual expectation shows and whatnot, but I but I had one for Stout as a holder where it's a good year or it's a great year in terms of of what it could be. Why don't I just share it with you and then sandbag you with the question. But the the good year is um, that as many of his kicks uh, get off as got off before, and the second is that his percentage is not reduced. That would be great. But it would be good if he got as many kicks off as he did without them getting blocked or fumbled or whatever. Um, uh, you know, as he, as he has uh, uh, previously, but uh, I am, I, I'm legitimately concerned about Stout as a holder we'll, we'll uh, see it runs out. But I think that would be true regardless of who they were changing to after having a hall of fame player, you know, basically doing a lot of the support for that incredible record that Tucker has.
3: Yeah. We had that comfort before where you, you didn't have to um, have concern. You didn't have to have any kind of uneasiness, about it but no I can't disagree uh, or really add anything to those those two that you mentioned in terms of, of good and great um you know my thought about it has just been man I you just hope that um you don't have one of those those games I can't I, for whatever reason I keep thinking about like Tony Romo like you're in a big spot mm-hmm. you know and you can't get the hole down and and it, and it can cost you a game you know in that moment so um, you know it's it's unfair uh, I think to kind of put that kind of pressure but these guys put that pressure and more on themselves right so certainly you know there's there's nothing that we're doing as fans that these guys aren't putting on themselves in terms of you know what they expect from themselves and how they expect to execute so you hope that that doesn't happen for the guy I mean if it did obviously it's not the end of a career I mean he's a rookie things like that happen but um, we just we haven't seen that in so long so i I would just be like, like terrified, <laughs> you know, if I were to see something like that.
2: Well, having more replaced Cox last year, we've already had you know one of the wolf back uh, swapped out. Mm-hmm. And there were fears that came along with that. In fact, probably greater fears than the holder, I'd say, exist with the long snapper. Long snapper, much more inexact, much more, uh, you know, problematic technical skill. Uh, even though you don't, you you, know, you have some advantage under the NFL rules currently about not being able to be, you know, kind of interfered with, run into, run over. Uh, as the long snapper you you still have uh uh less divided attention maybe it was still a very difficult thing to do well accurately consistently and uh who was, who was the guy was it the New York Giants guy who who missed two in a row and he claimed it was it was numbers 5 and 6 out of 1700 and some total snaps he'd made
3: i'm blanking on the name but yeah. the team sounds right
2: yeah okay well anyway it was uh one of those uh one of those guys but you hope we don't have uh you know, we don't see a couple of the 1700 this year and, you, and, and we take Nick Moore for granted. And some people even are saying, oh, who's Nick Moore? If you don't know who Nick Moore is at the end of this Ravens season, I think it's probably a good thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. One of those jobs where, you know, if you don't hear his name called, that means he's doing his job and he's done his job well. If you ever hear a long snapper's name called uh, for, other thing, for anything other than make, making a tackle, um, then it's, it's probably not a good thing.
2: How about uh, Stout as a punter? Because I think we we know what we want out of Tucker, and we have a good understanding of of who he is. We just hope it doesn't get messed up this year in any way. But how about Stout as a punter in terms of of translating some of what happened at Penn State, which was unbelievable, yeah. into um, really good in in ten numbers is really I think what the Ravens are looking for when the in the in the draft.
3: Well, I defer to to Sam Cook on this one, and and he talked about it. He said. Probably the thing that he likes the best about Jordan Stout is Jordan Stout is how big his leg is. <laughs> he's just got a big leg, right? He can just kick the you know what out of the ball, uh, but he's also got great hang time. Uh, you know, he's also got control. Again, com- making the comparison between Helm coming into the league as a rookie, you know, with with the ad- with the accolades that, that he had, uh, as, as, you know probably the best punter in college football. Still, really unfair. To compare to a guy with Sam, like Sam Cook, with his experience at all the different kinds of punts, I think that's the thing that's going to be interesting for me mm-hmm. to watch. Is you know, you you got Jordan Stout coming in, and obviously he has this great leg, and he's probably got you know a, a, a couple of punts you know that he's probably used, but. You know, Sam Cook, man. I mean, he he had the bag, right? He had the golf bag. He had like twelve clubs in there. Yeah. That he could go to in all these different situations. Um, so, you know that that'll be interesting to see. You know, kind of watching Stark carve, out, uh, watching Stout carve out, um, you know, his his own way, his own style, right? And and the things that that he could do.
2: And Matt Ariza, of course, the other big punter in this draft. Or one of the other ones, four of them ended up getting drafted, but Matt Ariza had probably the biggest leg in the draft. But I'll tell you what, he always seems to be clubbing it with the biggest berth of driver. He doesn't have a sand wedge. He doesn't really have a pitching wedge in the same way and and not the same kind of control that Stout brought. And obviously, the Ravens thought that was much more important. The statistics will tell you it's a lot more important. Uh, On punts between the 30s, Ariza had 29% in 10. And I'm sorry, let me get this correct here. Yes, Stout had fifty three percent in ten from between the thirties. It's just unbelievable to me as a, as a number. Average field position was the twelve for Arisa, uh, Sorry, the sixteen for Ariza and the twelve for Stout. So uh, you know, it's it's a potentially game changing nature, certainly field position changing uh, nature of the punting game. If the Ravens can really get that going, and uh, boy, the defense could really use it. That would be a, a great way to. Uh, pin some teams back and, and have a lot of fun with the turnover game.
3: Yeah, that change of field position. I mean, typically, you know, aside from maybe some long pass plays or like a freaky long run, special teams, it's the biggest exchange of field position during the game. And, you know, their assistant special teams coach, TJ Weiss, I was telling you before we started, I was rewatching a clinic he did last year. He talked about that being, you know, kind of what they look to do on special teams, right? They affect the game through field position, right? right? That's how they want that, to, that, that's how they want to um help the team. And so yeah, if you can you can have a punter with that kind of control combined with guys who can get down there, guys who can get down the field and run and uh and cover some of those those punts as they come inside. Obviously we know Chris Moore was really good at it uh for years. Miles Boykin was good at it. Uh a guy we may talk about as we go on tonight, Tyler Wallace showed some signs mm-hmm. of having some of that ability. Um, so, you know, and then of course they've got some, some rookies and, uh, some undrafted guys coming in this year. So combine those kinds of things and yeah, you can really set your defense up, uh, to maybe get some quick three and outs and get good field position and, and, and set up your offense in turn.
2: Well, let's, let's jump right into punt coverage. Cause it's probably punt coverage and kick coverage, probably the two most important in terms of, of the special teams units. Of course, it's important to return those, uh, kicks as well, but, but let's start with punt coverage, uh, for kind of. Most well-known positions on the the team, I want to focus on, but we can talk about wings. We can talk about whatever you want. The the first two are the gunners, and and who you see as the guys on this team who make the most sense uh, to be on the outside as as wide receivers. They got to, of course, release early. They're the they're the two who get to. Um, who who do you see as those guys on on this unit?
3: Well, the guys coming back. Again, with the rookies coming in, obviously we don't know. I mean, you can look you know, a little bit into guys who played special teams in college and played some of these positions, but obviously it's different in the NFL. But in terms of the guys coming back, for me, it's probably Tylen Wallace on one side, mm-hmm. and I'm a little little less confident about this next guy because I don't know if he'll even make the team, but I was going to say Kayvon Seymour uh, okay. was, was the other guy that I was thinking about. Um just because watching those guys in, in, in preparation for this, I, I, I didn't, I'm not going not to go crazy here. I didn't go back and watch every uh, special team snap, but I watched about seven, eight games worth of special team snaps. Um, you know, all the units kick, punt, punt return, um, kick return, all of that. And uh, those guys, man, just they—they they really um, kind of stood out to me in those roles. They had obviously a variety of different guys doing it. I think in my notes, I had let's see, Westry did it, Averitt, Wallace, Stevens, Levine, Seymour, Washington, Robert Jackson, all took you know their turn at Gunner in mm-hmm. in, in, in some different games. But Wallace, I definitely am confident about him. You know, he may take on a larger role as a receiver, but but if they you know kind of still want to continue to use him at Gunner. The thing about him is I think he's faster than people realize. I think if you go back and you look at kickoffs, and this is something I know they do because TJ Weiss talked about it. They use PFF to track the speed of guys running down on kickoff. Like even if it just goes through the end zone, it's just a touchback, right? They measure it every week, every game. So they're probably and, telling
2: him go all out. And that's why you see that when you're, yeah. when you're on TV yeah.
3: Yeah, and they talk about that. They said they take pride in running through that goal line, running through the back of the end zone, even on a touchback. Now, if you're a guy that also was playing on offense or defense, they kind of give you a break and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you can, you know, maybe jog down there a little bit." But I don't have the numbers for last year. I do have them for 2021. I probably shouldn't share them. Uh, <laughs> but if you just visually watch Tylen Wallace when he's running down, and he's usually out there somewhere at either. L one, L two, somewhere in there, maybe L three. It was usually L one or L two on the left side. Those are the guys closest to the sideline. If you think mm-hmm. about the numbers, so the numbers would be one being the closest to the sideline on in, two, three, four, five. Okay.
2: Right. One into five, which is closest yep. to the kicker in each case.
3: Yeah, and so he was usually somewhere at L two, L L three. Yeah, he usually he usually wasn't the safety guy at L one. That was usually somebody else. But if you watched him he was either the first or second guy down right? whenever they were just having the run through where there, where there wasn't actually a return. Uh, CoCap Anthony Levine was usually one of the first guys and Chris board. Uh, those guys were usually at the five spots. Um, so they've actually got, you know, the straightest point, the straightest line point to run down the middle of the field. They're not coming in uh, from the sides, but Tyler Wallace, man, he's got more speed than you think he's tough. He's a super tough dude. You see him fight through guys, trying to hold him up, trying to jam him up. Uh, Even if he gets two guys and they try to vice him, I think I tweeted out one or two of those plays during the season where he's fighting through the vice and still making the tackle. Um, Kayvon Seymour, good speed, too. But the thing that stood out to me about him is just his reckless disregard for his body. Like, he's not a big guy, but he just throws his body around, right? And sometimes that doesn't always result in tackling the returner, but typically what it would do is force the returner back into the coverage, right? Mm -hmm forcing them to change direction as opposed to just going straight ahead. So even that has some value. So those those would probably be the two guys that come to mind. But there's, there's other guys obviously. That's that's gonna be a competition for sure. A lot of that
2: a lot of that time you want that initial uh guy down the field to be the kind of like start of a hailstorm where where maybe you could duck that first piece of hail like like yeah. you could really duck hail like this is a good metaphor. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I get but what the, you're saying. The, the second billiard ball or whatever you want to call it that's that's going to hit him is going to be much more much more difficult for him to evade. So yeah. uh, a- anyway, uh, let's let's stick with punt coverage if we can. I know we're we're kind of going all over the map a little bit, but in terms of gunners, I do have a second guy, and I think Isaiah likely is probably the guy who, who uh, of people on the team who I really expect to make the team, makes a lot of sense to be a gunner. I don't think he's going to be playing a ton of snaps on offense. He'll play some, but I don't think he'll play a ton. And I think that, that he has the good body type, the good size, that if you want to put your fastest guys trying to – Block him. You're probably going to need two on that side, and and hey, anytime you can you could put a receiving um, talent out there, that's also a good thing. You, you can have one on each side. You know, you really kind of force them into into at least a one by two look. Uh, you would hope that would help your punt not get blocked.
3: Yeah, kind of shades of uh, Darren Waller at Gunner, and obviously Waller is a little bit taller, was was faster, probably in a straight line. But you think about that body type. Miles Boykin, similar body yeah. type, right? 6'4", 220-pound dude. You, you like those body types because those guys are hard to handle out there one-on-one. Like you said, you pretty much got to vice them and put two guys out there. And then if you're vicing those guys, if they're really just like, you know, bad you-know-what, they'll find a way to fight through that and still make a play. Even if they're not, they're tying up two guys, and now your guy on the other side of the field is one-on-one. And like T.J. White said, hey, if you're one-on-one, you got to win. Right. That's, the well, that's, that's you definitely gotta, true. <laughs> you gotta win. Are
2: are there are there two by two sets or do you have to kind of fake your way into a two by two uh in order to do it because otherwise you're just you you you're inviting a fake call at the line of scrimmage. Now sometimes on I've fourth and eight, eight they might not do it anyway, but yeah.
3: Yeah. I've seen both. I've seen it done both ways. I've seen teams who've just done the two by two and just kind of out there, let you know, hey, here's what we're going to do. Uh, and then I've seen it the other way where, you know, they kind of it a little bit. Guys line up in different positions and they kind of bail out, you know, at the snap of the punt. So you you see it different ways. You know, guys are – that's what's always interesting to me about special teams is that kind of philosophically it's not that much different than defense and offense in terms of deception. Right. Like, right, you're trying to show certain things and do something else. Um, but I know it's not always the most exciting part of the game for a lot of people, but uh, as you know, I love it. So <laughs>
2: yeah, well, no, This is cool. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is if, if you do a two by two uh, formation and the, the, the gunners do their job and sell it and you actually get blocking on the outside on, on both places. Of course you got a returner. You got nine on six football. You could be playing, Uh, To try and get the punter an opportunity or the up back an opportunity or or whoever it might be. It's almost like the that the, the two outside guys, the second outside guy in both cases really needs to be, you know, have his have his eye on the punter to make sure things go as they're expected to go for you not to be put in a big disadvantageous situation. If you did that nine on seven, it's not great, but, but it's, it's better. And, you know, one of them is a punter. So that's not the greatest athlete usually, but uh, you know, I I just nine on six football is, is particularly dangerous sounding in terms of trying to defend to say a four yard fourth and four or something.
3: Yeah. And I'd have to go back and double check. Like I watched, like I talked about some of the 2021 games, rewatch those. But that fake back in 2019 against the Dolphins, it was Anthony Levine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember where where they were at score wise. Three at like the 35. Yeah, and he he kind of took a long. run. I can't remember if that was two by two. I'd have to go back and check. I don't know if the Dolphins had set up that way or not. But to your point, it, again, it kind of the the parallel between that situation and on offense running the ball. Right, you're looking at a light box. Right on defense, and you want to run into a light box. So, kind of similar uh, conceptually uh, with those fake punts.
2: All right. So, we've talked about a a few of the people who might be gunners. We can talk about more if you want to. But I want to, the most important position and the one being vacated by uh, Cocap, of course, is that inside protect the the gunner and personal protector, whatever you want to call him. Uh, And uh, to me, I think that the role kind of goes with being the captain of the special teams. Doesn't have to, but he does have a lot of the same. Uh, similarity in terms of physical speed and whatnot, I expect Tony Jefferson to be the guy. Do Do you have a feeling about it?
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought I was going to be able to kind of cheat this a little bit because I'm looking back And I'm looking through the game logs, and I'm like, man, when's the last time that Ashley Levine hasn't played on special teams? And I found a game in 2020 against the Eagles. And I said, all right, I'm going to go in. I'm going to cheat this before I get on Mm -hmm. with Ken. I'm going to know who replaced this guy, and I'm going to throw his name out there. The guy's not on the team anymore. It was Jordan Richards (laughs) who replaced him in that that game. So I'm like, all right, I can't use that anymore. But Jefferson makes the most logical sense to me. Um, And when you think about what they allow that – that position to do. Obviously, you know, he's got his protection responsibility first and foremost, Mm -hmm. but unlike the guards, the tackles and the wings, some people call them slots, the personal protector, the gunners and the long snapper on the Ravens. Now, I'm not saying it's this way in every in every uh, special teams punt scheme, but the Ravens, they call those guys hunters. Mm -hmm. They don't have lane responsibilities, right? The guards, the tackle and the wings, they have lane responsibilities. The personal protector does not. He's a ball player. Go get the ball. Go make a tackle. And so Levine was great at that, right? He was fast. Mm-hmm. He was physical. Um, you could just you could probably picture him now if you're if you're a big special teams fan, him just screaming down the field, either running through somebody or running around somebody and making a tackle. And I think Tony Jefferson brings that same kind of mentality, uh, or would bring that same kind of mentality to the role. The the other thing
2: I really like, and this is something that Levine brought in spades to the position. Is is just he is truly an on-field coach, on-field captain, a quarterback, uh, if you want to think of him that way. Um, there there was a big play, a few years ago, big play It wasn't really an important play. It was in a game that was was already pretty well decided. But the Ravens had only ten on the field for their punt, and Anthony Levine called for. A delay of game penalty. He said, "Wait it out, wait it out. Don't do anything. We don't have the proper number of people." And he and he got up there and he, you know, he waved off the long snapper told him not to do it. Very smart play to know not to call timeout and waste it. And I don't think it really mattered in the game. But who wants to waste a timeout when it's five yards? Is you know, is the alternative and, and you're punting anyway. And it was just it was one of those really smart plays. I think it was Tyus Bowser was actually the guy who was missing from his left tackle position. I would have said, okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, I, I hope I'm not uh, uh, hitting him up when he wasn't the guy. Cause it could have <laughs> been Tim, Tim Williams. He had a lot of field responsibilities in that era too.
3: So uh, anyway, Levine, I, you, the, one, uh, the only thing I wanted to add about Levine is whenever you start talking about him, like plays just pop into my head. Yeah. And so uh, another good example, I think of um, being kind of that quarterback uh, captain of the special teams on the field. Was it the twenty twenty Browns game? The yes, fake punt yes, by the Scottish, yep. the Scottish hammer. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> yes, I thinking, I got. I got my nesting example. If he doesn't take it from me, but I knew you were going to do it. Yep. So yeah, that was a that out. was a really weird situation. We'll just talk a little bit about this here. But, you know, normally punters and, you know, been watching football for all your life, you know, punters have a really set way that almost all of them follow in terms of, you know, making sure their footing is right at the spot. Then they take two steps forward, high rocket kick as if they're punting the ball back off, put their hands up. They're ready for the football. He didn't do that. He goes back there on the spot and he starts swaying back and forth. <laughs> and Levine went ballistic and LJ Ford giveaway. obviously picked it up too, but that, that was one of those great plays. Dad giveaway. <laughs> They, they should. Uh, if Anthony Levine ever makes the Ring of Honor, okay, it's probably that's probably not happening. But if they have any kind of a special Anthony Levine Day for any reason in the future, where they want to recognize some past Ravens who who were captains of units or whatever it might be, uh, having that play and having him, you know, going crazy pointing people all over, you got this guy, you got this guy. LG Fort knew exactly where to be and made the tackle actually, but
3: that would be a play to show. If nothing else, you know they show it internally. Like yeah. when they're having their special teams meetings, they're like, hey, guys, look, this is what it looks like, right? <laughs> this is the kind of awareness, and these are the kinds of things you want to be looking for. And communicating, again, another another parallel between special teams and, and, you know, regular sides of the ball, defense. Um, you know, they'd say a loud defense is a good defense, right? A defense that's talking, that's communicating. Same thing on special teams, right? If you see something and, and you know what you're looking at, communicate it, you know, get that word out there and um, get everybody alert.
2: Yeah. That's uh, a great, uh, great Anthony memorands. You know, it's, it's going to be, I hope they aren't looking at that internally. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the punt return team now. Uh, DuVernay, I don't think any danger. Uh, you know, one thing with Wallace and DuVernay, you, you made the point already with Wallace is if they get increased receiving roles, particularly if Wallace were with an injury, say, to become the number one X, I don't think he'd have him out there on special teams anymore.
3: No, probably not. Yeah. You'd have to get somebody else out there, and then you know, then you get into some of what they were doing last year, where it just becomes like revolving door sort of situation of different guys. Um, a lot of times, you see um, guys from either the cornerback room, the DB room. Uh, it's not always a corner. Sometimes it's the safety. I, I, I would talk about my guy, our Darius Washington and Geno mm-hmm. Stone out there. They they had a couple reps at gunner. It didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't ideal. Uh, <laughs> but typically comes from the cornerback room or the wide receiver room or, like you mentioned, maybe the tight end room. Um, maybe I, they'll never do this, obviously, but I thought it was awesome his rookie year during one of the preseason games. They had O.A. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously they're never going to do that in a real game but yeah if, if you have you know an unfortunate situation like that to you know one of your lead guys if it happens to be Tyler wallace then yeah you got to kind of start spinning that roulette wheel about who's going to be the next guy and typically they come from those rooms that's that's kind of what i've seen in the last few years from great mm-hmm.
2: yeah good bet that whoever the fifth wide receiver is on the ravens is almost certainly going to be on special teams the uh, that that could end up even possibly being Wallace, uh, it, it, you know, a player like Prochet, I suppose it could end up being him if Wallace kind of breaks yeah. out. Uh, the, if they signed a veteran, you know, the, the the group moves down, and and one of those guys probably has it. And if if they don't get anybody, then it's definitely one of those UDFA's because they're all going to be larger, uh, faster guys who who would make sense for special teams.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's and there's some guys we'll probably get to them, so I'll, I'll save that for later. But yeah, there's some UDFA's who. I think might might have a shot there. Okay. So let's let's uh, let's keep it rolling here, talk punt returns. Uh, any
2: reason why Devin Duvernay is not returning kicks this year? And we'll probably see some things. We'll probably see Prochet take a few in camp, but we saw the people competing with Campanero and there never was really competition when he was healthy.
3: No, I can't think of any reason. Um, you know, it, it's really amazing when you think about a guy who didn't return in high school or college. Mm-hmm. That on any any level prior to the NFL, not kick return or punt return, and what he's developed into. I mean, obviously that's a huge credit to him. It's a credit to the Ravens coaching staff. Um, you know, look, do you do you have the occasional kind of like uh moment, sometimes a muff or a poor judgment on something? Occasional, but um, you know, he's really gotten more consistent. I think I can remember when Prochet was doing it initially, before uh, DuVernay kinda took over the job. And the one thing about Prochet was I think he was pretty consistent in terms of his decision-making, right, mm-hmm. in terms of when he, when he needed to fill the ball versus not letting it bounce and land. And, you know, obviously it was very shorthanded. But you just didn't have the same level of juice that you get with Devin Duvernay once the ball is in his hands. So I think – I can't remember what game it was. I know it was one where before the game, you know, we're all kind of on Twitter and we're looking at the inactives. And I think Prochet was inactive. And we're like, all right, well, who's going to be the returner? And I think Duvernay got to be the returner. And I think he maybe had one like really decent one in there that kind of pop um, for, for a decent return. And even though it wasn't like a huge thing, it wasn't a touchdown or it wasn't like a 30 or 40 yard return. I don't think um, it was big enough and it was it was juicy enough in terms of his explosiveness with the ball. You're like, OK, that's got to be the guy. We can't go back. OK, nothing against James. We can't go back. You know, this is
2: one of the things. I I don't think there's a lot you can find out from camp at a lot of positions. Offensive line play, defensive line play. I don't think there's a lot to be gathered from what's going on there. When when they're out of pads, brother-in-law crap is going on. You know, the play is just not at a super high level. There may be people who are better at it than me that can say, yeah, he's got it all. He's got the footwork. He's got this and whatnot. I will say I, I grade two things when I'm watching camp punt returns. The first is... Where is the? How quickly is the guy getting set up to receive the ball? Is he always there before the ball arrives? So has he got that great center fielder's ability to get out of that football early? And the second one is, I want to see him explode out of the catch. So I don't want to see double catches. I want to see him, you know, immediately. Be, be primed like a track star to come out of his blocks as soon as he as soon as he makes that catch, and that, that's the, those are the two things I think I can really glean from it. Nothing about elusiveness is really viable in camp because yeah. people, they're not trying to run at each other, and you know you you just you don't get that kind of a value. But I, I do like the uh, trying to watch those two things.
3: Yeah, you. That's a that's a, a great term to use, track star, with Duvernay, because yeah. that's exactly what you're getting out there. You're getting a guy who can roll. I mean, he's physical, but he can absolutely roll uh, in, in terms of speed. So uh, we saw that in the Chiefs game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the punt return that that, that he 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 uh, kick returns, kick, kick return yep. that he returned for a touchdown there down the right sideline. I mean, give him a crease and you're not going to catch it, right? Um, you can you can have a great angle. He's going to outrun it uh, probably nine times out of ten.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on here. I want to make sure we get through all this. So we do have some core coverage players to talk about, too. But in, kick, in terms of kickoff coverage, we, you mentioned a little bit of L, L1 to R5 in terms of the, the, the positions there. Uh, the Ravens certainly have a kicker uh, who can give you some serious leg and pooch ability. I mean, Tucker could kick every ball through the end zone if that's what he wanted to do. Don't look at Billy Cunduff, Cundiff's uh, you know, kick, a touchback record as being something that, that – wouldn't easily be within Tucker's range but uh, the Ravens do prefer to pooch they really like to win some field position uh, you know you also have the advantage that that most penalties are going to be against the offensive team the receiving team I should say um, on the kick and uh, you know may give you an extra opportunity and of course a fumble is much more significant for the uh, for the receiving team uh, in terms yep. of, of uh, what can happen so there are good reasons to pooch I think there's good reasons to not pooch as well I, where do you sit on
3: that yeah, I you know, I think I lean towards liking when they try it because they have a guy who can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Justin Tucker. You have a guy who can really control it. And I think we saw it I mean it may have happened even before then. Uh so let me not phrase let me not phrase it that way. But when it kind of started to stand out to me was probably really 2020. And I was like, "Okay, this is like a thing. Like they're they're literally trying to do this. like let's see if we can get this thing to check up around the 10 or, you know, ideally maybe even a little bit inside the 10, um, but right around that 10 to 15-yard range and make guys field it. Make guys come up and field it. And I I don't want to make it sound like I'm beating up on the Browns, uh, but it was another another Browns game where they had a punt just like that. Now credit to the Browns returner. He did a really smart thing on this play where I think – I don't want to mess this up, but I think – I can't remember exactly the rule, but it's like if you step out of bounds first – and then touch the ball as the returner. The kick is out of bounds, and the penalty goes on the kicking team. Now, and and that ball, it was short. It was one of these poop situations, and it was right near, I want to say, the left sideline. And he could have fielded it with both of his feet in play, you know, in bounds. Mm -hmm. And then he would have probably been in a world of trouble because I think he had people bearing down on him and – I don't remember if he played it clean or played it off a hop or not. It was a really smart play. But just the fact that you can put people into those kinds of conundrums mm-hmm. where they have to make those kinds of decisions. I don't know how many – I mean, they probably talk about that in every special team's room. But when you put a guy out there and the bullets are flying, so to speak, um, you know, are they going to be able to process that? So I just like the chaos it creates where you yeah. put it down there and it may take a weird bounce or a guy's got to come up and field it when he's not used to fielding it in that position. Um, so I, I like the mix. It's a change up. I like it as a change up. I, I'd like to see them throw it in there. Shoot. I wouldn't mind if they did it once again, they might not do it that much, but I wouldn't mind if they threw it in there once again.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's certainly lots of positions where they want to reduce variance on the result of that kickoff. You want to reduce variance, kick it through the end zone. That's the yep. easy way to do it. But if you, if you want to gain, if you want to, you know, harvest your expected gain on, on the pooch on the kick, I think the goal is typically to kick it to one of the two numbers if you go outside the numbers, you risk the out of bounds uh, yep. cleverness of receivers, which puts the ball at the forty. So you don't want that. But you 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 would like to have it at uh, uh, you know limit the the remaining field so you can squeeze your lanes better yep. and and be able to cover that kick a little easier. It's right? uh, anyway. I, I love seeing it. I love seeing it when they do it. Um, I, I it, it makes me nervous when the ball goes close to the sideline. As, as as I'm sure it does <laughs> you. But it's just a few yards, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think they—they, they, I mean, I know they do this. So I'm not saying anything, you know, revolutionary here. But they scout returners. They scout the opposing returners, and you look at guys who field the ball. Because some guys field the ball cleanly when it's in the air, but when they have to play it on a hop, they struggle. Oh. And so you look at some of these guys, and you say, hey, if we can get this thing to hop and make him field it on a bounce, this guy kind of you know gets all discombobulated and and, and kind of loses some of that. Uh, consistency and, and sort of confidence that he had when he's filling it out of when he's filling it out of the air. So I'm sure that's probably something they look at.
2: We you know we have not seen many squib kicks as part of football. In fact, the term may be gone. It's, it's a 1970s term, like uh, kind of like the coffin corner. You know, it's gone yeah. like, away. Yep. But but uh, uh, the the a notion of a squib kick used to be something you'd do to reduce the return late in a game when you had to kick off with a, you know a few mm-hmm. seconds left and whatnot. Uh, that doesn't seem to be done very much anymore as a change of pace scheme right
3: yeah i like doing it though because i look at tucker similarly in in some respects to cook he's got different kicks right, right? As, 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 as cook has different punts tucker's got different kicks and he can kind of throw some different things out there and again if your scouting tells you that hey this is a returner or a return group you know if they got two guys back there or, or one guy however that kind of struggles with having to do something that's a little bit unconventional, then, you know, why not try it out there?
2: All right. I I, I was watching the 2000 Jacksonville game again today, and the, the Ravens actually recovered an onside kick that wasn't onside. It was a tremendous mm-hmm. gale game where there were a lot of fumbles in the game uh, on the snap exchange for, to Brunel in that one. I don't know if people remember that. But um, Anthony Davis recovered an onside kick, which – Uh, Stover put up into the wind and it must have been floating like a balloon or something because it it, it came down around the 25 or 27 yard line uh, something like that and Anthony Davis is first of the ball, jumps on it and the Ravens have possession again Uh, I love that when you've got weather, Uh, you shouldn't look at it as my kick's going to get held up by the weather no, my kick's going to cause a lot more chaos because of the weather if I can can, uh, leave it up there and let it take its take its effect on it.
3: Yeah, you think of that Bills playoff game, right? That's, That's <laughs> obviously a not a great outcome. I don't want to bring up bad memories for people, but just from a wind and weather standpoint, they, they definitely had the win for it in that game.
2: All right, so uh, let's keep moving on. In terms of uh, kick returns, uh, one of the things that, that we still hear about occasionally is the hands team. And mm-hmm. I, the Ravens almost seem to have a specialist at this point. It's James Prochet is the guy they yep. like to... Uh, have on the side the onside kick is going to.
3: Yeah. Uh Prochet <laughs> the thing I love about Prochet, and I know there can be some mixed sentiment on him uh and kind of what he's gonna be as a wide receiver. I know we're talking about the special teams context is that he has a really impressive contested ball mentality. Mm-hmm. Like he he the way that he attacks the ball at the catch point and, and we can use that in here in the context of, of being on the hands team, you know, if you get you know, one of those, uh, onside kicks that pop up or something like that, take kind of weird bounces. Uh, he, he, he does that like a much bigger receiver, right? That's what I've always thought about. I and mean, even watching him back in SMU, I'm like, if you took his contested catch ability and just his mentality, that my ball mentality and put it in like a miles Boykin body type, you know, you got, you got something pretty impressive on your hands there, but, uh, very good hands. Excellent. I think Hellman and do Rene both have really good hands. So, um, you know, it, 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 he's a guy that when he's out there, you know, you feel pretty confident that he's going to come down with it. Um, even though, t- well, I don't want to take too much of a sidetrack. I was going to talk about some of the weird on, uh, onside kicks that Tucker has. But we'll, I'll say that, you know, he does some weird stuff with, you know, kind of behind the leg thing, you know, yeah. kicking it behind the other leg. I'm like, what is going on here? But anyway, I won't. I won't take us down that.
2: Yeah, that, that is a little weird. I, I have they succeeded in one yet? Have they gotten one? Or I don't think so. <laughs> right. Not that I'm
3: aware of. I could be wrong. All
2: right. Um, wedge players. Now, generally speaking, there aren't big body special teams players, meaning offensive linemen. Yeah. Even Patrick Ricard. I mean, the one place where he can really do things for you on special teams is on. On kick returns, um, being in what used to be the wedge, now they have all sorts of rules to, to define how you can't block in the wedge. But uh, it's the one place for a bigger body that you might you might even see a defensive lineman, maybe an athletic guy uh, back there. Uh, and you often see you know bigger guys like tight ends, sometimes even an offensive lineman um, in there. But uh, is that a place where the Ravens will go anywhere? But maybe tight end and Ricard, in, in your opinion.
3: That's pretty much what I've seen. I mean, Ricard is kind of, so if you think, if you visualize it, like DuVernay back as a single returner, and he has kind of two up guys in front of him on the right or the left. Typically, Ricard is one of those guys, and he essentially becomes the lead blocker (laughs) for a return. Now, that second guy, it's been a variety of guys and body types. I mean, there's been times when it was Miles Boykin over the years going back. A lot of times last year it was James Mm Prochet. So, um, you know, you had a variety of different guys back there, but in terms of the guys in front of them, yeah, some tight end body types. You had uh, Josh Oliver was out there mm-hmm. in years when he was healthy. Nick Boyle was out there. Eric Tomlinson. Um, Eric Tomlinson was out there. You could see, you know, maybe a role for for Likely or maybe even Kohler. Um, Tony Poljan. You know, he's a guy in the preseason. I don't I don't know where he's going to fit on the roster, but you may see him out there in the preseason. So typically those body types and then linebackers. Surprisingly, uh, Chris Board was well, Chris Board was of course special team. He was out there for everything, mm-hmm. uh, but Chris Board was out there. Malik Harrison. Um, was out there. So um, Malik Harrison probably will, will you know, get into that core special team role, uh, assuming, you know, his spot on the team is safe. Because, I mean, essentially it's kind of what he morphed into last year after they were no longer playing him on defense. So you could see him out there in that role. But, yeah, those, those are kind of the body types that I've seen. Tight ends, um, Ricard, who's kind of his own beast, <laughs> and then linebackers. Even though Jalen Ferguson out there, you know, God rest his soul, um, but you know, there were times when he was out there and even on kickoff coverage, like typically you're looking at, you know, DVs and you know, wide receivers, maybe a running back running down there. And then you've got this six, five, 240, 250 pound outside linebacker running down there. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's not something you see every day. See it a one spot doing that, either L1 or R1.
2: Oh,
3: sorry. No he, spot, was, five,
2: five, five. Uh,
3: no, he wasn't that far inside. He was usually at like a three. Okay. So not far, like a two, like a two or a three. And it did happen a ton. Uh, there might be two games a season or something like that, but you just see it and it catches your eye. You're like, "Look at this big guy running down the field."
2: I got I got to look for this more. I mean, obviously, it's it's like we're often catching up on some element we're scoring as we as we do this and to, and you know miss a kickoff. Uh it's, it's, it's just interesting things going on there, obviously. Yeah. Let's talk yeah, a little yeah. bit about field goals and extra points. And, and I mainly want to talk about the blocking unit because I do think they had a good addition this off season in getting Brent Urban back. Oh, yeah. Now, Urban and Campbell, two of the really big block kicks in team history over the last uh, 10 years or so.
3: Yeah, I guess speaking of Campbell, I was just as I was rewatching some of these games, I saw the kick, you know, the block against the Colts. Uh, I think I may have even tweeted that out. So yeah, to to have you know guys obviously with with that kind of height, now two of those guys inside, and typically what they were doing on their blocks is you know mostly you're you're playing against right footed kickers, you've got these six guys, right to the side. They're, they're on the opposite side, right? So the kicker is kicking to his right. They're uh, I guess if you're if you're from the kicker's back, they're also on his right. Uh, But the other side around, if you look at it from behind and then there's maybe three or four guys off to the other side, spread out a little bit, you know, a little bit more loosely. But you'd have um, Calais Campbell. uh, Brandon Williams was in there quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had Matabike in there at times. You had Justin Ellis in there at times. And so they bunch in there so tight where with Calais, what you're trying to do is basically just create a gap. Right. For him to split a gap and get in there and get his big paws up there in here, and that's exactly what happened on that Colts kick. Well, now you got two of these guys, mm-hmm. right, that you got to account for, and that can be really stressful on a on a on a field goal protection unit because it's like, look, hey, we can probably account for one of these guys. We're used to that. We got two of these big bodies in there. We can probably handle it too, but it's not going to be as easy of a job. And and maybe one of those guys slips through the crack a little more often than you would like him to.
2: Yeah, it's a a lot harder. But you really do have much more defined roles, I think, than people realize. But you just alluded to it here. A guy like Brandon Williams is not generally going to be the guy who blocks a kick. And he might have had a block kick in his career. I don't really know. But it's kind of like being the under guy on a stunt where you're trying to get penetration. You're trying to get movement. You're trying to get two players to commit to you because you create a little space, perhaps. And I, I think that Campbell was the one who mentioned it after the Colts game was that Broderick Washington on the, on his outside had been the guy who'd created the space for him to basically slip out and then back, uh, to, to get through and block that kick. But, uh, you know, a wonderful, wonderful moment in last season.
3: Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was amazing. I mean, just rewatching that. And I was trying to, I always do this. I try to skip through and focus on like one thing and then you just get sucked into the game. You're like, I got to watch all of these plays. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that uh, it was it was cool. And Brent Urban of course. Uh people may remember this, they may not, but uh, Brent Urban blocked the kick six returned by oh, Hill for so the touchdown. Will the, the thrill, Browns. yeah. And that was that was in his first NFL game. So uh wow. yeah, it was uh, uh way back in 2015, right? 2015. it was the injury year. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Will the thrill. Wow, was a that <laughs> Did not
2: really help the Ravens to 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 uh make their playoff push that year to have that, that block. And the Browns ended up getting a draft pick that I don't know who they blew it on, but I'm going to assume they blew it at this point.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they, they got a pretty long track record. in <laughs> All
2: right. Well, it's some, some interesting things to think about in terms of field goal blocks and whatnot, but let's talk now, core special teamers here. And we've got about maybe 15, 18 minutes left. If we can, if we can handle it in that amount of time, Okay, uh, I kind of want to go through uh, a list and maybe, you you why don't why don't we each alternate picking a player who we think and then maybe what their role would be on multiple special or not what their role would be but but, but where we what special teams units we would see them being a part of okay that sense okay sounds good you want to start you want me to
3: um, i'll start I'm gonna go. I think with the low hanging fruit, I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, well, no, it's not that low. You know what? I'm gonna skip that one. I'm gonna go with Christian Welch. I was gonna say a different name. I'm gonna go. That's low hanging fruit. Come on, <laughs> is, that is low hanging fruit. Because okay. obviously he he played on pretty much all the units last year. And when I when I say all, I, I I'm typically excluding um, kick block units. Yeah. I mean, obviously there, there some some guys do play like Chris Board. I mean, he played literally on all of them. Um, but, but, you but mean most the big guys four. are the big punt? four. So punt. Punt return, kickoff, kick return. So, you know, yeah, Christian Welch was on all of those. And I expect them to, you know, kind of be that, that core guy again.
2: Okay, Uh, that's fair enough. I'll uh, I'll take Tylen Wallace. That's certainly some low hanging fruit. Uh, Makes all kinds of sense as a gunner, but he'll be covering kicks in either direction. I expect he'd probably be on the field on a punt return team as well, probably in terms of blocking on the outside, being a bigger body uh, that could help. Not necessarily. If you have him on your receiving core, you might take him off that unit, get him a little bit less play uh, that way. But he's he's a he's a good sized guy to be to be doing that role.
3: Okay, yeah, absolutely agree with that. Uh, I'm going to go Geno Stone next. Now, probably not going to be on all four units. From what I remember last year, was definitely on punt, um, and I think also on punt return, was on kickoff. I don't think he was on kick return. I think that might have been the one of the big four that he wasn't on, but um, on punt was typically one of the wing players or slots, you know, depending on mm-hmm. what terminology that you use. So um, definitely see him in that role. Uh, on punt return a lot of times he was one of the uh the up off guys like that might you sometimes you might have one guy behind the initial you know punt rush guys who are down on the line like sometimes you have a second guy a lot of times that was Geno stone and then that's where you get those guys who peel off right so maybe you're showing single vice or or not they're not vice that they're by themselves but a single player outside lined up across from the gunner and then those guys will peel off and you end up double teaming them that way and trying to set up some blocking. So uh, I could see Geno Stone continuing to do that. And, you know, you, co had kind of been trying to groom him. You could hear some of those mic'd up yeah. sessions between those two where he's really encouraging Geno, like, hey, man, stop thinking. Yeah. You're overthinking. Just run and hit whatever moves.
2: <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that Geno Stone got the green dot for a game where Clark sat is an enormous feather in his cap. Enormous. I mean, the, the Ravens obviously have liked him. They've, they've, they originally – Selected him. They traded to. They didn't trade to get the pick. I think they had the pick. Whatever. They 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 you know took a selection on him after PFF had him tremendously overgraded as the 53rd best player in the draft, (laughs) and then they took him in the seventh round, which was about appropriate, I think. Uh, But still, I think a value pick. He's uh, you know he's the epitome to me of what the Ravens need at the end of their rosters are guys who can contribute on multiple special teams units, but also. Can play offense or defense. I really don't believe there's room on the team for a guy who only plays special teams, at least not among the players they have right now. Levine was that guy because he was just that valuable. Jefferson could be that guy because he's that valuable, but Jefferson has defensive value. We saw it last yeah. year, and and you know, certainly don't want to lose that stone, you know, in a deep safety room still can be a A second back end guy who could really help you, and and uh, you know, be in some seven DB packages beyond at the end of the half, beyond at the end of the game, beyond you know, in third and long even. Uh, You know, just I these guys can help you, and I I I really I'm not adamant about it. That's the wrong word I want to use. What what my word is, I I look favorably if the Ravens have no one on their fifty three who is just a special teams player. I think that's that's a that's a failure in a way to really uh, maintain the depth you would like to have.
3: Yeah. And I think they've been trending in that direction. Like you said, they've Mm -hmm. they've had a guy or two here or there who was just exclusively a special team player, but as they've continued to add quality depth, right? Just talented guys beyond your initial starter, sometimes even beyond your second guy uh, they're they're trending more and more in that direction. A lot of it's in the secondary specifically And, and Levine Richards and
2: Bethel were three guys in recent years who they didn't really want on the field on on defense. And Levine, even after that 2018 year, uh, early 2019, some sort of injury happened. And then by 2020, I guess he might've lost a step coming back and, and he wasn't as good, but uh, you know, they, they, it's those roster spots taken up by a guy who can only play special teams is just not ideal. And, and when you look at the Ravens deep safety core, and how many of them could play on the field defensively? And I think it's, it's six guys, potentially, if you want to include Brandon Stevens in the group, uh, that all fit very well for a defensive play. You don't, you don't need to sacrifice a roster spot when you have that at safety, particularly. Corner, pretty much the same situation, honestly. A bunch of guys who, who we certainly hope they can play corner. I don't think the cornerback room is particularly deep this year, but, uh, but we hope they can all play corner.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a great situation to be in, and like you said, I think they're they're closer to that this year. And I actually think this year, I might be surprised if there's a guy who's just a special teamer this year. I I I, I think they've got a lot of talent in a lot of different places. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is, but I'm going to go ahead next anyway. You. Brandon, Brandon sure. Stevens. Okay. So like a, a guy who's unsure on defense probably plays. Uh, for, I would say all four units. I'm I'm thinking, yeah.
3: Yep. Um he might not have been on kick return, but he definitely plays the other three. Okay. Definitely. Um this one whew, I'm a little nervous about it. But I'm gonna say Malik Harrison. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Uh, I think they're they're a little light at inside linebacker in general, uh, so I think that that might help him uh, in in that regard. But you never know; they could add a guy. I mean, LJ Ford is still out there. You never know. There's other guys, um, but he kind of, like I said, he he kind of carved out that core special team role, and he did play on all four, including kick return. Um, and it, you know, it was some of that doghouse. Uh, you know, punishment, probably maybe to some extent. Uh, but, you know, look, if, if, if that's the worst case scenario, right, that that's kind of where he ends back up, then maybe he becomes that guy. And like you said, we're trying to stay away from that guy. But that would be like the worst case scenario. I think that there's still a role for him on defense. Um, we talked about it on another show about that relationship, so I won't rehash that. But, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be the, the next guy for me.
2: Okay, now good choice. I think uh, you know certainly gives you that versatility, and you need that body type. You need that in, in middle uh, size weight hitter kind of guy on, on a lot of special teams units. And Harrison certainly uh, fits that build. You, Welch does as well. And either one of them, I, I think, at this point, we'd say we'd be okay with them being a backup Mike in terms of that. I, I, I Harrison. Uh, you know, if if he's only a will, that will really be a failure. But that's it's really another question. It's outside of, yeah. of what we're doing here. Uh, but I do think he can he, special teams and a backup mic is a is a good place for him. I'll go with um, okay. I'll go with the two guys. So I will cheat and name two that I think are competing with Harrison for potentially a roster spot, and that's Jacoby McLean and um, Vince Beagle. And so okay. Vince Beagle's an outside linebacker and Jacoby McLean's an inside linebacker. Jacoby McClain, um, the reason why they might want him is because he is a clock reset on Harrison. So if Harrison really needs to be the choir boy in, in this camp, he needs to have a quiet camp, he needs to have a good special teams camp, he needs to take advantage of every rep he gets on, on defense and inside linebacker because uh, Harbaugh will not put up with a lot after last year, we saw... You know, it's uh, whatever the circumstances were in terms of their unfortunate nature. They occurred and, and you know, he's responsible for them to at least a degree. And a clock reset is available on either of these other guys. Now, and now, OK, that's not true. So Kobe McLean is a rookie. Um, Vince Beagle has been in the NFL for like six years. He's yeah. his real value on defense is as an outside linebacker who can cover. That is a lot of value yeah. uh, to 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 not cut. Your third-year underperforming inside linebacker. So even though he's a third-round pick, I don't think he's absolutely safe this year either. In terms of Harrison, I know your nervousness would indicate that too.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) kind of what I was worried about. Is that there's some some guys? Beagle, Beagle probably being the number one, uh, and and you know even McLean. And look, you could I mean really if you wanted to open up, you could even talk about John Ross and Diego Mm -hmm. Fago. I mean, all of these guys, uh, you know, could kind of be breathing down the neck there. Um, all of them have special teams experience uh those linebackers um the undrafted guys I, i'm i'm pretty sure beagles probably played special teams i had not looked him up to see a special team snap and so i am im i'm i'm pretty sure he's probably got some experience there too so um yeah that's that's uh, i'm a little nervous about it but uh i i like that pick for you i think i think you uh you got a two for there. Yeah, uh, two you. <laughs> go ahead. You can do a two in now. <laughs> okay, um, man. I wanted. I wanted to go with. Um, oh, man, it's a tough one. I wanted to go with Seymour because I talked about him earlier, but I'm I'm really not sure that his his roster spot is is all of that secure. So I'm a little I'm a little nervous about that. Uh, so I'll do a two for two. I'll throw his name in there as one. But I'll throw in another undrafted guy, um, Slade Bolton from Alabama. Okay. He's got the special teams pedigree, played on all of them there in Alabama. Um, now, he's in a tough position at wide receiver mm-hmm. in order to, nec- you know, to, to maybe make the team. But where I think he might – I think special teams is where he might carve out that advantage for himself because I know they like Jalen Moore as a receiver. Um, I think that they, they've kind of they've talked about that and we're talking about, you know, into the wide receiver position group guys now. Um, but I don't know how how, you know, they feel about Jalen Moore as a special teamer. The same thing with Ben Victor. I don't know how they feel about him on special teams. But I think Slade Bolden, when you listen to Nick Saban talk about him, when you look at, you know, kind of some of the, the different roles he played in special teams, he's also a returner. Um, so he's got that, you know, it could be, you know, breaking case of emergency kind of situation with, with having somebody who can do that too. Um, he's just one of those guys that I think is going to come in and just going to, you know, fight, claw, scrape, do whatever he's got to do uh, to to carve out a role for himself. And I could see that happening on special teams. So I just remember watching him on special teams at Alabama. And when I, I watched these guys and, you know, I've been fortunate to get some in college football all 22 over the last couple of years, typically what we don't get is special teams, but I actually got one of an Auburn versus Alabama game. So I got to see him and Jacoby McClain, you know, going back and forth on special teams. And I'm like, okay, both of these guys look like guys who, you know, uh, are going to be able to carve out a niche for themselves on special teams, or or at least, you know, make it a tough decision for coaches uh, because they, they both, um, they play it the way that the Ravens, I think, want their guys to play on special teams, you know, just reckless disregard running down the field, physical, you know, all of those things that the Ravens like to see.
2: All right, well, great pick, because whoever's the fifth wide receiver for the Ravens definitely going to be on special teams. I mean, I think we can we could say that for sure. And and Bolden gives himself an edge. He's also at a position in slot where, uh, you know, I think it, the Ravens are actually kind of thin there. You know, it's not obvious who they have uh, that, that's a slot guy beyond Prochet, for example. And, and I, I you know, it's, it's not clear to me Bolden wouldn't be the guy. They can go big slot, but once you get into big slots at wide receiver... I don't like that to be a wide receiver as much as I like that to be Andrews or Likely or even Collar, mm-hmm. a guy split from the line of scrimmage. So once you're going big, go, go all the way big to a tight end and, <laughs> and, uh, and you know get the away from the body hands catchers that the, that the Ravens seem to have. And if you want to quicker uh, make the guy lose the guy in a whip route, then it's somebody like Bolden is the guy you, you probably want.
3: It's a good point. I didn't think about that. So he, he might have uh, even a little bit more of a, an edge there than I, than I thought about. Yeah.
2: All right. I, my, my next guy is Isaiah Likely. I think he'll be a, a, a significant special teams player. He's a potential to be a four unit guy. We'll see if it works out that way exactly. But certainly can cover kicks, uh, the big, that big intermediate body that they like blocking on kick returns. Uh, some of it may come down to how much offense he plays. If he fits in ahead of Kolar on the Delft chart, then Kolar is the more likely special teams player. But uh, uh, we'll see how that works out.
3: All right. I like that one. I'm going to go Tyler Batty. This kind of hurts me because I want to say Justice Hill because I really liked Justice Hill in 2020 when he was, he was at Gunnar. <laughs> but you know, he's in a position contractually that, you know, I, it's, it's a tough spot for him to be in. I think he's going into the final year. Yeah, fourth um, year of his contract. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So he's, he, he's in a tough spot, obviously, you know, uh, they just drafted Batty this year. Um, pretty, pretty positive reviews about him as a receiver uh, during OTAs and mini-camps. So, you know, obviously he's he's kind of building that drumbeat of positivity. And he does have special teams experience. Again, he was a returner uh, a little bit. Didn't do it a ton uh, in college. I want to say, I think I jotted down what he read. Let's see, uh, 27, eh, 27 kicks for 525 yards in, in four years. So, you know, not a ton, but he's got some return experience. And he's also played on some coverage units, too. So, um, you know, uh, there, I, he's going to be on the team, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I don't see so, the way that doesn't happen.
2: Yeah. My yeah. my my problem with having Beatty be on the unit is that I don't think they'll do it if he's their number one or number two back, and they're really short to start the year. and And it might be even more than that because he's their their really only outstanding receiving back. And I I don't think we can say that about Dobbins yet. I just I I, I don't think yeah. it, Edwards even has had some success. I don't think we can say that about him. But Beatty is the one guy with an incredible pedigree. I think he had like eleven percent touchdown rate on his receptions even though he had a lot of receptions career uh and you know there's other guys in this draft some guy was like one out of 79 or something Uh, oh it's one of the might have been might have been Bryce Hall might have been somebody else who was uh who was around that so I I I would love to uh I I hope Beatty's role on the offense is too significant to have him be on the special teams group but uh but I understand that I'm gonna
3: say Pepe I was going to go Pepe Williams. I should have went Pepe. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's
2: a good call too. Uh, yeah. He, uh, 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 how about, uh, our Darius
3: Washington? Okay. Okay. Our Darius, my, my guy, I'm pulling for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I liked him coming out of TCU. I still like him. Um, you know, Gunner, I, he, he didn't get a, a lot of opportunity there. It was like one game and there might even only been one or two snaps and, uh, Look, I think the knock on him coming out of TCU was straight line speed. Mm-hmm. I think that showed up on those snaps a couple times at Cutter. Uh, so that's that's a tough thing for him. But that's not the only place where he can play on special teams. So, um, you know, maybe he can carve out a role. I mean, it would be tough to see him at, like, wing on punt. That mm-hmm. could be tough. Punt return, you could see him as one of those up inside guys that I talk about where, you know, he, he kind of helps out double team uh, with one of the outside guys. Maybe that could help. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, that's where he's going to have to, to make his bones, right? If he wants to make this roster, he's going to have to find a way to do it on special teams. I hope he just gets more of an opportunity. Um, I think he got, you know, he got a shot last preseason, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I like the guy and people are like, well, do you like, it even sounds like you don't really like him. I do like the guy as a player, but I was just like, man, I was hoping that, uh, you know, special teams was kind of going to be his thing. And then a, the, the few times I saw him out there in game, I was like, Ugh, this is. This is going to be tough again. You know, he he was he was a rookie. He didn't get a ton of reps at it. So he certainly roamed him.
2: Is he another guy who uh, if he wins the starting slot corner job, that his likelihood of being on special teams is a lot less because that role is awfully important if he's doing it
3: well? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you're you're, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, you become like a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're if you're the starting slot corner. So yeah, they may not have you out there as much. Like even even Tavon, you know, when he came back last year, he didn't play a ton on special teams. Um, yeah, you know, that role was really reduced from what he had had in previous years. But he was out there every now and then. And Ardarius, like I could see him on kickoff as like an L one, R one, like a safety guy, mm-hmm. you know, to kinda lay you know, kinda last line of defense well, kicker's last line, but before the kicker, um, to kinda come in. And he did that in a couple of games. And I could see him kind of doing that. Uh, in that role. And like I said, I think you could find something for him on punt and and punt return as well. So I can see it.
2: Okay. All right. Outstanding. We got to, we got to go a little faster. Just give me, give me any additional guys you have on your list of core special teamers you think will be there. And I'll go through my list real quick too. And then we got to, we got to shut it down.
3: Uh, Okay. This one is based on uh, health, but I'll say Dalen Hayes.
2: Okay. Good one.
3: Anybody, any others you can go ahead. Oh, okay. We're doing, we're doing rapid fire. Um, I don't think that I had it me else. I mean, there's some undrafted guys and some of the rookie guys, but I'm, I'm still not sure. I talked about Pepe Jalen, armor Davis, who probably is a role for him. Uh, but that would be it. Jalen armor Davis and, yeah. um, and daylen Hayes
2: Jalen armor Davis for sure. Um, uh, Hill was on my list. Mike Mike Davis, if he makes the team, I don't think that's a sure thing. But uh, you know, he could be a guy who who gives you a body type that they that they like. Uh, Hill again, uh, and Steven Means was another guy. Oh, I about cooler. Yeah, so he's around. <laughs> he may not make the team either. You know, a, a, an older guy who's an outside linebacker. Uh, it'll be interesting to to, to yeah. see if he's the guy. Means is competing probably with Beagle for one spot. Uh, and, and it may even be that that the Ravens don't even have one, but they they're really they're trying to throw some bodies at a significant depth problem. The signing of Justin Houston helps things, uh, but that's on the rush side. The Sam side still very weak and they really have to see who can cover, who could do the job. It's going to be one of the interesting battles in camp to see where is Hayes right now, uh, you know, Means and um, Beagle in terms of uh, uh, who can uh, who could do a little bit of coverage from that position, and who can provide something in the pass rush too? We can't forget that. Uh, no. yeah, that's important.
3: Absolutely not. Hey, they say there are no dumb questions, but I just want to throw this one out there. Yeah. Do we see Kyle Hamilton take any snaps on special teams? I,
2: I think I think that would be a mistake. I mean, obviously Ed Reed did in his first two years, and Bill Belichick famously said, "I would have never taken him off the punt team." Uh, I, there's no doubt about it. In my mind, he would have value there. It's just, I, you know, it's he's your number one draft pick. He's the yeah. future leader of your defense. I mean, I just don't think it makes sense.
3: Okay, I, I, I agree with all of that. I, but like you, I'm like, mm, you would probably be pretty good out there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mike, so much of a pleasure talking football with you. Any chance we get the chance, I want to, I want to take it. Uh, this year or any year, and, and hopefully we can even get together and watch some football this year uh, If when uh, Ravens even have an off week or play on Monday or whatever and and uh, get together and watch a game because it's been uh, uh, always a, a, a tremendous pleasure to have you uh, on the show and you add so much value. I know the, the, the fans love it.
3: Thank you, Ken. Always nice of you. Um, yeah, I'd definitely like to get together and see a game with you. We were I was at the Chargers game last year. I probably missed you. Um, but you know, maybe we can, we can work it out this year, but, uh, as always, it's great talking to you, uh, and appreciate you having me on. All.
2: all right. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Nice 20 to 25 minute topic, nice and narrow that we can talk and get through it in, in a, in a reasonable amount of time is ideal. And I'm always looking for more of that. Uh, Michael, thanks again for coming on.
3: Thanks for having me, Ken. Appreciate it.
2: And we'll talk to you next time on film sound <laughs>